0: The Old Testament reading for today is from the prophet Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter, verses 14 through 16. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. The epistle reading is from the first letter... To the church in Thessalonica, the third chapter, verses 9 through 13. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: according to St. Luke, the 19th chapter. When Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. It's always great to come to this first Sunday in Advent. Uh, we really like celebrating Christmas, the first coming of Jesus. We would love the story of the birth to Mary and Joseph in the little town of Bethlehem in the, the quiet manger with the angels appearing to the shepherds and the the wise men soon to come journeying to visit the newborn king. And and of course we look with great joy to the future coming, to his second coming when he will come and judge the world and uh, take the elect to himself to enjoy eternity in heaven between Christ and his bride, the Holy Church. And perhaps as you prepare to celebrate his first coming, uh, you're making lists of what has to be done. Not just baking or sending out Christmas cards, but cleaning the house, washing the windows, vacuuming the rug, cleaning the floors, cleaning out the cupboards, organizing closets, all in preparation maybe for some special company to come for a visit. And I hope the, the husbands and gentlemen took notes of that list there there is a sort of house cleaning that takes place in our hearts too, as we look forward to Christ's second coming. And this is not a, a physical cleaning, of course, but a spiritual one. And it involves the confession of our sins, the, the true repentance of our hearts for our sin. The first coming of Jesus was because of that sin. To make a way for us to be released, to be loosed from the power of sin to condemn us, to, to be free of that burden. At his second coming, we whose faith and trust are in Jesus, we who repent of our sins and confess it, are absolved of it. And we will be welcomed with open arms to that marriage feast prepared for the Lamb and the church from the beginning. We read this morning in our Old Testament reading there in Jeremiah that the day would come when God would raise up for Himself a righteous branch in Israel. A righteous branch that would come from a stump, from the stump of Jesse, we're told in Isaiah. The Babylonians had carried Israel off into exile, into captivity. There's no longer a king reigning on the throne in Jerusalem. David's line of kings and kingship has been ended and that's like the tree has been cut down. His his, uh, family tree cut down. So there's just a stump left. But the prophecy is about a descendant of David. A branch that would spring from that stump and he would execute justice and righteousness in the land, Jeremiah says. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. All is going to be set right. All of the wrong things are going to be undone. And the branch is going to be called Yahweh, our righteousness. If you look there in the in the scripture readings for today, the the Lord is all in caps, so this is Yahweh. Yahweh, our righteousness. Not Yahweh, our strength or Yahweh, our King forever, or something like that. But Yahweh is our righteousness. I want to pair that with a reading that we read not long ago uh, in our Gospel text from Mark, where Jesus is saying that it would be better for a person to have a great millstone hung around their neck and thrown into the sea, be thrown into the sea, it would be better for that to happen than that that person would cause someone to sin, cause someone to stumble. Maybe you remember that reading. And the image there is uh, one of this great weight that uh, drags the person down to their death. But but that that is better if they had died that way would be better than if they had caused one of these little ones to stumble so if you give me a little bit of license here Jesus is saying it would be better for us to lose our life than to sin because sin is so terribly grievous the wages of sin is death and eternal separation from God The wages of our sin is death and hell for eternity. But because we are sinful from birth, because we're sinful from the time our mother conceived us, this is what we deserve. We can do nothing to erase our sinful thoughts, words, and deeds. Nothing we can do to undo them. And sin itself is like a great millstone around our neck dragging us down to death and hell. and There's nothing that you and I physically personally can do about it. Our problem is that we are not righteous. There is nothing we can do but in His great mercy there is something God has done. He has raised up a branch from the stump of Jesse, one descended from David. And what will he be called? The Lord, Yahweh, is our righteousness. The righteousness that we need comes from Him. Yahweh is our righteousness. The prophet Zechariah says... Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey." And in our gospel text for today, we have Jesus descended from David's line, riding into Jerusalem on a colt, on the foal of a donkey, and the people are shouting blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord and this phrase appears a couple of times in the Old Testament in the Psalms we read one this morning uh, in the introit from Psalm 89 also Psalm 118 they are messianic prophecies messianic Psalms blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord and this is what the people are yelling uh, to Jesus as he's riding into into Jerusalem but Luke adds that the people also were saying peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And during the season of Advent I think uh, that uh, brought to my mind and probably brings to your mind too what the angels are saying to the shepherds when they are announcing the birth of Jesus over there in the little town of Bethlehem to the shepherds on the hillsides The angels say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory and peace again. Because it is to God's great glory that he brings peace between heaven and earth, between God and man. Jesus comes to bring that peace to undo the disharmony to reverse the disharmony between God and man. our sin actually puts us in harmony with the devil. Uh, There is this uh, harmonic resonance that happens, right? And you've all witnessed it from here you know, one time or another, something vibrates at just the right frequency and it sets something else to vibrating, right? Uh, If you go and yell at your piano, it'll yell back at you if you listen or the guitar strings or something like that. If you, if you get the right note, you know, sing the right note, that guitar string will be playing. If you stop singing you'll still hear it. There's that resonance in harmony and our sin puts us in harmony with the devil so that uh, we go along with him. Our mind is like his mind. Uh, enemies of God. Jesus Christ comes to change that, to reverse that, to undo it, to put us back into harmony with God. And so we wait expectantly for Christmas, for this celebration of the coming Christ child who went to the cross, who fulfilled all things. Since he did that, since that time, since he went to the cross, since his resurrection and ascension, we have been living in the last days, and the last times. And in these last days, we wait with joyful hope and great anticipation for his second coming and for the end of this world. Now in the Greek, in our gospel lesson today, uh, I found it a little interesting to me and so I want to share it with you. Uh, So I want you to look at these verses there on the back of your bulletin, Luke chapter 19. Uh, We're going to start at verse 30. It says, Go into the village in front of you, verse 30, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. So the first thing I want us to notice is that the colt has never been ridden before. The Greek says literally, A colt on which no one ever yet of men has sat. So Jesus is going to be the first man to sit on this colt. So the colt is maybe a symbol or maybe in a sense kind of holy and pure. Alright? I think we could say here that the the colt has been set apart for this purpose. But there are two other words in particular that I want us to look at. The the word for untie and then the word also for master. Okay, so bear with me here. So Jesus says in verse 30, untie it. You're going to find a colt, untie it. And so really the Greek word here means to loose something. Loose something to set it free. It can also mean to end something or to abolish something. Here in our text I think it's being used in that first sense to loose the colt to set it free. And the second word that we want to look at is the Greek word that is being rendered as Lord or owner because in the Greek these two are the same word. Owner, the owners of the cult, right? And then uh, the disciples being told to say that the Lord has need of it. Both of those words, Lord and owner, are the exact same word in the Greek. And it doesn't mean when we say uh, the Lord has need of it, it it's not a divine name. Uh, there's nothing about the word that is divine, it can mean a ruler. Uh, someone in authority, the master of the house. It's a common word, and it's used a lot. Something, somebody that has ownership or authority of something. Okay? So if we use these understandings of the Greek, then we could read the verses like this. Okay? So I'm going to kind of change it a little bit. Uh, so starting back at verse 30. Go into the village in front of you, Whereon entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Loose it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you loosing it, you shall say this, the Lord of it has need. That's how the Greek renders it. Okay? The Lord of it has need. I like that. The Lord of it has need. So those who were sent away went away and found it just as they had told as he had told them and as they were loosing the colt the lords of it said to them why are you loosing the colt and they said the Lord of it has need. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks in the colt they set Jesus on it. So I think it's fascinating here that the lords of the colt the owners the lords of the colt who have authority over it it's theirs recognize the greater authority of Jesus somehow we're not told how this this happens recognizes the greater authority of Jesus Uh, it seems that they understand the the owners of the colt understand that they're talking these disciples about Jesus who's coming it seems that way the lords of the colt ask why they are loosing it, and their reply is, The Lord of it has need. Not just the Lord Jesus has a need, but the Lord of this colt has a need of it. So Jesus' authority here is shown to be supreme. Colossians 1.19 says, For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And Jesus, just before he heals the the paralytic that's let down through the roof, just before that he says to to him, you know, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus says, uh, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Take up your bed and walk, and he does, and he goes away. Jesus even has authority to forgive sins on earth. He has all the authority. Jesus is the Lord of all. And John says in his gospel that all things were made through Jesus, even this colt. Jesus is the Lord of it. And so to its owners, to the lords of it, the disciples say, the Lord of it has need. And the lords of it allow the disciples to loose it and bring it to Jesus. And for what purpose? so that the Lord of it and the Lord of all might ride into Jerusalem as king as the king but a king riding to his death because in the death and resurrection of this man Jesus the Lord of all in the death and resurrection of the Son of God he would loose from us the great millstone of sin that is tied around our necks. Our sin was loosed from us and placed on the Lord of all things, on the Lord of us. He who bore that great weight to the cross of Calvary to loose us from the devil, our former master, to loose us from God's condemnation and God's wrath, to loose us from death and hell, and to bring us pure and holy to God. You have been set apart by God, made pure and holy. You have been forgiven all your sins, restored to him, loosed from your old master, and brought to Jesus, brought under the reign of the king. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous, and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Your king is coming to you with righteousness for you. Salvation for you. Agatha was a woman who was born around the year 231 AD. She was born into a, a rich and a noble family, and when she was 15 years old, she took a, a vow of virginity and set about studying the scriptures and devoting herself to prayer. Now, this greatly disappointed uh, one of the prefects, the Roman prefect, Quintianus. Uh, he wanted to marry this beautiful Agatha, but when she was nearly 20 years old, a great persecution of Christians broke out uh, under the emperor of Rome, Decius. And after Christianity became illegal, The prefect, Quintianus, thought, aha, and he brought Agatha into his court. And he thought to change her mind by offering her the choice between marriage to him and torture under the persecutions. And Agatha prayed, Jesus Christ, Lord of all, you see my heart, you know my desires, possess all that I am, I am your sheep make me worthy to overcome the devil. Weeping and praying for courage she confessed her faith there in the court. Quintianus could do nothing but punish her so he sentenced her to a month in a brothel. Once the month was up he called her in again but she still confessed her Christian faith. And so she was sentenced to be tortured. And she was tortured, stretched on the rack, torn with iron hooks, whipped, burned with torches, and then she was sentenced to be burned at the stake. But on her way to be executed she skipped joyfully like she was going to a feast or a dance. She laughed and she rejoiced and she said, unless you cause my body to be broken by your executioner, my soul will not be able to enter paradise bearing the victor's palm. Even as a grain of wheat, unless it is stripped of its husk and harshly beaten on the threshing floor, is not gathered into the barn. They tied her to the stake, prepared to burn her. But right then there was an earthquake and so out of fear or something they decided not to burn her and instead they put her into prison and she did die very soon after that in prison but Agatha was not afraid you see that they were going to take her life she was very willing to endure torture and even death in the fire because her king had come the Lord of all had come for her He had gone to Calvary to give his life for her. To Agatha, the cross of Christ meant real freedom. She had been loosed by Jesus, even from the death that she went to, skipping and praising God. And like Agatha, you have been loosed. You have been set free from sin and death. The Lord of all is the Lord your righteousness. And when Christ returns we will skip and dance with Agatha and all the saints and we will rejoice forever in the salvation of our God. Amen. Now may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all and may he establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus, with all his saints. Amen.